Last week, uh, we started off looking, we're going to look at the parables of Jesus. The parables of Jesus, which really, all from chapter 13, talk about, in some ways, how the gospel spreads. How the message of Jesus is shared. Um, last week, like I said, we started with the parable of the sower. Uh, this week, we're going to look at why did Jesus speak in parables? <laughs> um, you may have noticed last week we skipped a section. Uh, we went right from reading verses 1 through 9, talking about the parable of the sower. And then we skipped a middle section and talked about Jesus' interpretation of the parable of the sower, if you were with us last week. Well, today we're going to cover that section, along with a couple of other parts of this chapter, where Jesus kind of explains, why does he speak in parables? Uh, if you're not familiar with the term parable, a parable is a basically a short story that makes a point, that makes maybe even more than one point. Um, it was John Quincy Adams, famous uh, U.S. president, who said, he who tells the best story wins. Um, and I think he was getting at something there. Uh, we as human beings, we like stories. Stories encapsulate truth, sometimes even better than just clear, didactic teaching. Uh, when you think about history, uh, who gets to tell the story of history? The winner. The winner gets to tell the story of history. So can you imagine, for example, if we, if we lost the Revolutionary War? I think that the story books would sound, the history books would sound a little different. It would be about how British America was able to stop a rebellion that happened over here in the United States and were able to stay faithful to the Queen and to the British monarchy. <laughs> that would have been the story. Very, very different than the story that we tell. Can you imagine if the South won the Civil War? Uh, it wouldn't be so much about slavery and things like that. It would be about how, in the end of the day, state rights prevailed over against the Northern aggression um, from the Union, and we're able to maintain the independence of our 50 states. Whoever, whoever wins gets to tell the story. Well, what Jesus is doing in some ways in these parables is he's telling the story, uh, not of the past, not of history, but of the future. Uh, he's kind of preparing us for the spiritual reality that will be when the kingdom of heaven comes. And he tells us, as these very parables exemplify for us, for some, it will be concealed. For some, they will not be able to see or understand. For others, it will be revealed. Look with me at chapter 13. We're going to read starting at verse 10, and we're going to skip around just a little bit here to get through this, this passage. We read this. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. In hearing, they do not, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. In their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. 
For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And skipping down to verse 34. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And then finally, looking at verse 51. Have you understood all these things, Jesus says? And they say to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Some things are concealed, and some, to some, the message of the gospel is concealed, and to others, it is revealed. Look with me. We're going to start there in verse 10, uh, looking at how it's concealed. Uh, the message of the gospel is actually hidden by these parables. Jesus says, the disciples come to him, they ask him, why are you speaking in parables? And then he gives them this sort of cryptic answer. He says, to you it's been given, uh, the secrets of the kingdom, but to them, to not to everyone. Uh, to those who have, they get even more. The parables actually give them a better and clearer understanding of God and his gospel. But to those who don't, they become further and further blinded by the parables. It becomes more difficult to understand what Jesus is actually teaching. In fact, he says he didn't tell them anything except with a parable. Uh, so not that he only spoke in parables, that's not what he's saying, but he's saying he never taught without actually using parables as a way of revealing and concealing. And then he turns our attention to Isaiah chapter 6. This is a pretty familiar passage if you know your, your Bible. This is where Isaiah is commissioned uh, by God. Uh, God says, he sees this vision of God in the throne room and the Father sitting on a throne, and he says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, Lord, send me. Um, and then he touches the coals to his lips and cleanses him and prepares him. And then when he sends him, he gives him this commission. He says, go and preach to these people, and they're going to completely reject you. And in the end of the day, we're going to send them all into exile. So that's his motivation by sending him out there to go prophesy uh, to all of the people. But he's, he's using, Jesus is using that prophecy and applying it here to this section that for some who don't have spiritual eyes the parables will not actually reveal but only conceal it even further and we see this is true again jesus is speaking about what will be for the kingdom how the kingdom will work and we've seen this we've seen this with the parable of the sower some have hearts that are sort of like the path uh, the seed is unable to penetrate even below the beginning of the surface. And then others are like the seed that falls on the rocks, and that falls, the seed that falls among the thorns, it gets choked up and killed. Some will not receive the message. They don't have, as Jesus would say here, eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand it. When you think about it, friends, think of the name Jesus, right? When you hear the name Jesus, what comes to mind? Uh, it's amazing how different... <laughs> how different people's responses to that name is. If you're here and you're a Christian and you believe in the Lord Jesus, which is probably the majority of the people here, um, you hear the name Jesus and that brings to mind joy. <laughs> that's the Savior. That's my King. Uh, that's my life. That's my hope for all eternity. Uh, Jesus is Lord over my life. I love him. I, I, I know he loves me. I want to know him more. That's what, that's what comes to mind when we just hear that name, Jesus. For others, quite the opposite, right? 
Other people say, I don't, I don't want to hear that. It, it sucks the life <laughs> out of a room. Imagine you're in a conversation around a water cooler or maybe at a, a wedding table or something. You're sitting around uh, talking, and you bring up the name Jesus. Uh, if a lot of people there are, are not Christians, that just sucks the, the whole life out of the conversation. Everybody gets a little silent and awkward, and it changes everything, right? Same name, unless you're using it as a swear word. You shouldn't use it as a, as a curse word. But if you're using the name the way it should be used... Totally different responses. Totally different responses when it comes to not just the parables, but all of Jesus' teaching. When you think about the atonement, how do people respond when they hear about the death of Christ in our place for our sins? And for us, that's life. That's the power of salvation. For many others, that's just foolishness. Or even worse, some have called it divine child abuse. How could God punish his own son in the place of us. That's terrible. It's a terrible teaching, some would say. Some respond with spiritual eyes and some without. Some, some people's hearts are hard. We think of the resurrection of Jesus or any of Jesus' miracles. To us, they're just a joy and a delight to think that the God of this universe who created everything has power over anything to heal or to create food or turn water into wine or whatever it may be. But to others, it's ridiculous. It's silly. We've grown up. We don't believe this kind of thing anymore. Why did Jesus speak in parables? In one sense, and we'll certainly get to the other sense, to conceal his, the truth of the gospel even further. It actually pushes people further and further away. And what do you do? What do you do if you are sharing Christ with someone and this is their response? Uh, the first thing I would say we should do, if you're talking to someone and they say, basically, they're totally turned off from even hearing about Jesus and they don't have spiritual eyes, as he says here, they, they can see but not perceive. They can hear but not understand. What should you do? First thing you should do is continue to love them. This is one of the great parts of the Christian faith. We love our neighbor. We love our enemies. We love everyone. Uh, our love for people is not contingent on whether they will believe what we have to sell them. Isn't that great? I think that's one of the most amazing things about the Christian faith. So we say, uh, Teddy came up and talked about our meal that we offer at 2 o'clock on Sundays. Come and have a meal if you're hungry. And if you don't believe in Jesus, sit down and eat anyway. <laughs> and, and come, and if you are cold and you need a jacket, and you don't want to believe in Jesus, in fact, you don't want to hear about it, in fact, you don't even like the fact that this is at a church, we're going to give you a free jacket anyway. Because that's how the Christian faith works. We love you no matter what. It's, it's not based on whether you agree with us on this message. So what, here's the first thing I would say. If you're talking to someone about the Lord and we, we're focusing on sharing Jesus and they don't want anything to do with it, they don't want to hear it, keep loving them. Because that's our calling as Christians. It doesn't change the fact that we serve and we love and we care about them. Second thing I would say, pray. <laughs> pray for them and Wait. Pray and wait, because you, you never know what God might actually do. As, as we talked about last week, their hearts might be, be cold to the gospel. They, their eyes might be, spiritual eyes might be blind to the gospel right now. That doesn't mean things won't change going forward if we pray and we wait and we seek the Lord. Um, there is a, uh, this is just neat to hear. Just if you're thinking, you know someone that you're maybe you're just sharing Jesus with, and you're thinking, I don't think she will ever come to faith. I don't think he is ever going to come to believe. I don't know if you guys know this, we have a local satanic leader. He calls himself a theistic Satanist. 
Um, and uh, I've been in contact with him. He's kind of posted some weird things on our website. I had to block him. And, um, but he's trying to start a satanic church. He was for a number of years. And a couple of guys were reaching out to him, trying to share the gospel with him, trying to help him along. And uh, I, I, this is what he posted. I'll just read to you what he posted this week. I have lost everything meaningful to me and seek healing through the King of Kings. This is not a joke, but I feel I need to be public about my acceptance of Jesus into my life. I understand many will, be made, will make fun of me for my decision, and these people will be ignored. I need to heal. That's the local satanic leader that, that has come to Haverhill to try to start some type of church. Uh, if you th hey, thanks. That's good. As we said about the, the parable of the sower, let's see what happens in time. Let's see if it's genuine and real and begins to grow and produce a yield. But friends, just be encouraged. If someone in your life that you're reaching out to, and right now they don't have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, see what happens going forward. And wait and pray and continue to seek the Lord. And one other application, just pastorally speaking, um, if you're talking to someone and they're rejecting it, uh, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged because it's so easy to think, I mean, I'm just no good at this. <laughs> I try to talk to someone, maybe they were a little rude, they just threw it right back in my face, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> no, that's part of the package, uh, as we learned right here. Some people will not receive the gospel. Uh, when Sarah goes to Bangladesh, not everyone's going to sit there and say, I've been waiting years for you, Sarah. Tell me all about Jesus. <laughs> it's not going to work that way. There's going to be some rejection, and then, Lord willing, many who begin to receive Christ as well. So be patient and wait and say, look, that's a part of the package. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to share and talk to others. And then, lastly, on this section, just be grateful in your own heart that God gave you eyes to see. You were at that place one time in your life earlier on, and now he's given you spiritual eyes to see and be grateful for that. And Jesus says that the parables not only are, help conceal the gospel, they help reveal it. Look at verse 16 on chapter 13. But blessed are your eyes, and now Jesus is addressing his disciples in particular, for they see in your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. For centuries and centuries, there were people in Israel and some outside the boundaries of Israel, like Ruth and others, who longed to meet the Messiah, the coming Savior and Redeemer, and they didn't get to see it. And Jesus is saying, you should count yourself blessed because you have spiritual eyes to see the Messiah right before your eyes. And I would say for us now as Christians, even better, we get to see the whole thing in hindsight. Christ has come. We get to see the whole picture having been fulfilled. Now skip down again to uh, verse 34. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable, and this is to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I'll open my mouth in parables, and I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Jesus is using parables to reveal hidden truth, something that's been said, uh, it's been hidden for centuries and centuries, and now is coming to light. Jesus' parables help clarify, help us understand the truth. Uh, and that's because stories have a way of doing that. Uh, you might ask the question, why didn't Jesus just use clear didactic teaching only? And he could have. He could have said, God welcomes sinners. That's my message. 
Instead, he tells a story about a father whose son runs away to a foreign land asking for his inheritance and then hits rock bottom, comes back in his dirty rags, and the father drops everything and runs out to him and embraces him and throws a big party for him. <laughs> Saying the same thing, right? But one of them has a certain, a certain truth revealed to it. One brings out something about the very heart of God. Jesus could have just said, love your neighbor, which he does. Or he could tell the story about a Samaritan who finds a man who has been robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road and stops his own journey, takes the man to a hotel, pays all of his expenses, gets a, a local doctor in there to take care of him and does everything he can to make sure the man uh, is revived and says, go and do likewise. There's a certain power in a story there. He could say, when you pray, don't give up after the first time. <laughs> or he can tell the story about a persistent widow looking for justice from the local judge and doesn't get it on the first try or the second try or the third try or the fifth try or the tenth try, but continues again and again until finally the judge says, all right, I'll give you justice and gives justice and says, so you go and do likewise when you pray. Now, stories are powerful. Now, stories encapsulate truth. Now, we love stories. We're drawn to stories. Again, John Quincy Adam, whoever tells the best story wins. You've got to ask yourself, what's, it, what's, the, what's behind the story? Um, I, I love Lord of the Rings, and I love Chronicles of Narnia, so C.S. Lewis. Um, how does he picture, how does he sh show kids the, the Jesus figure of his story? He could use anything. What does he use? He uses a lion. <laughs> Why? What's a lion? Lion is what? The, the, not only the lion of the tribe of Judah in the Bible, but he's the king of the wood. He's the, he's the king of the jungle. The lions are majestic. They're brave. Uh, they're not cowards. They're powerful and dangerous and yet beautiful to look at and to see. He's telling a story about who Jesus is so that kids could understand. Um, my wife loves Downton Abbey. I know we have some Downton Abbey fans here, right? I resisted. I resisted all these years. I've never watched any. I started watching them on Friday, and I'm six episodes in, and I'm addicted now, too, all right? So I get it. Uh, it's, it's powerful. It's a story. So this afternoon, uh, no, I'm going to watch the Patriots. That would be too much. But this, maybe tonight, I'm going to watch Downton Abbey. What's the story there about how old England is trying to hang on, and the new modern era is crashing in, and these two worlds are at war with one another, and stories are powerful. When we hear the parables of Jesus, they reveal something to us about the heart of God and about spiritual truth so that we can see. But here's what I want you to miss and what Jesus is teaching here about parables. It takes a miracle. It takes a miracle to understand them uh, and to have them not, not so much to logically grasp. I think you could sit down with someone who's not a believer and say, I think this is what this soil means, and this soil means, and this soil means, and they'd probably agree, yeah, that's probably what Jesus was trying to say. But to actually see it with spiritual eyes and recognize that to be the truth of how the kingdom works takes a miracle. Friends, and when you share Jesus, we do so with the confidence of knowing that a supernatural work is happening for someone to receive Christ. When you think about it, we have, we have the most powerful thing in this world. Uh, if you had to think about what's the most powerful thing in this world, you might think nuclear power, right? Nuclear weapons, nuclear missiles. Maybe that's it. Or maybe you say, what's the most powerful thing in the whole universe? Maybe it's, it's dark matter, I guess. I don't know. 
Um, I'm not even sure what that is, but maybe that's, that's, that's what you've heard from science fiction or biological, you know, DNA tampering that changes all the future. And we have something far more powerful. We have the gospel. And the gospel does something that nothing in this world can do. It transforms a life spiritually. It transforms us and so that we are given eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand that we would not be able to see and understand without it. Friends, we have the most important and the greatest gift we need in order to share Christ. I've heard it said, here's the, here's the beauty of sharing Jesus. Here's the beauty of evangelism. We have one, a 100% success rate <laughs> every time we share the, the gospel. Even if you mess up, even if you stutter through your words, even if you're not the best at explaining and answering questions, you've been 100% successful because we have a sovereign God who's working out his perfect plan and drawing people to himself in his ways and his means and through his purposes. Friends, God uses the parables not only to conceal, but also to reveal, to help us understand the kingdom. And then we come to this final and last section. Uh, the short, some people see it as a parable in and of itself, but really it's more of an explanation. Jesus asked his disciples after teaching through all these parables, we're going to cover them, Lord willing, in the upcoming weeks. Um, including the parable of the treasure hidden in the field that Sarah mentioned. So I don't know if she even knew that. That's coming up here in chapter 13. Uh, He asked him if you understood all these things, and his answer is, their answer is, yes. Now that's not arrogance. It sounds a little bit, uh, but they didn't understand it right away. They've had to ask Jesus a couple of times to explain the parables, and as Jesus just said, they're given spiritual eyes to see, so they're able to understand in a way that they wouldn't be without his grace. Jesus says to them, verse 52, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, uh, a scribe, of course, is an is a academic, uh, you know, somebody who reads and writes and studies. Actually, scribes were an extremely important part, uh, not only of uh, the study of Torah back in the first century, but really throughout all of church history. Uh, scribes really kept the church and its darkest hours, kept the scriptures and kept the church going. And really kept Western civilization. Here's what uh, Mark Knoll, uh, he's a historian, said. When the light of learning flickered low in Europe, monks preserved the precious texts of scripture and other Christian writings. Monks kept alive an interest in the languages. Monks and friars founded schools that eventually became the great universities of Europe. Monks, in short, preserved the life of the mind when almost no one else was giving it a thought. By so doing, by God's grace, they preserved the church, this idea of studying, to use your mind to serve the Lord. But he mentions here, every scribe that's been trained for the kingdom uh, is like a master of a house, uh, a wealthy owner of a home. And what does he do? He brings out his treasure, both what is new and what is old. What's he talking about there? (laughs) Well, first of all, be a scribe for the kingdom. Uh, Know his word. Study it well. Make sure you, 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 you understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, the whole picture of God's revelation. Uh, if you want some very practical advice, if you're new to the faith, read the Bible every day. Take 30 minutes a day, whatever, or, or less if it has to be less, or a little more if, if, you, have, if you can afford to do more. 30 minutes to just read two chapters. Start there. And read it prayerfully and meditatively, talking to God and thinking about God. Read it devotionally. I guarantee on this one, <laughs> that will begin to change your life if you're, if you're a new Christian. 
to get into his word every single day and study it and know it well. Be a scribe for the kingdom. I think there's a subtle application right there. But he says, a scribe for the kingdom is like, like a master of a house. Now, who's the master of the house? Well, first and foremost, it's Jesus. And Jesus par excellence, he's, he's the one who is bringing out the treasure, good, uh, new and old, uh, so that his disciples can grasp it and understand it. So that's the first application. Uh, listen to Jesus. Understand that he's the master of the house. But I do think that there's more to it than that. I think there's an encouragement here for his listeners to be like this master of the house, who is bringing out his treasure. Uh, and notice that. Uh, this, is, this is treasure. This is extremely valuable. Uh, he's, he's sharing something that is spiritually transformative and, and life-changing. Uh, it's the most valuable thing you will face, you will, you will see in this world. And he brings out what is new and what is old. Uh, so imagine you go to this wealthy uh, sort of friend of yours house he says let me show you some of my stuff <laughs> and he shows you this beautiful antique clock you say wow that's 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 really something and then he shows you what is it the iphone 11 pro max right just came out you know <laughs> something new that's valuable something old and he says come see my garage and he opens you open his garage and he shows you his 1908 model t that's the first year that it came out and you say what a beautiful what a beautiful vehicle. And on the other side is his 2019 fully loaded Rolls Royce, right? You got the new, you got the old. Both of them extremely valuable. Or he shows you his sports collection, and on one side he has a, a Honus Wagner rookie card. Anyone know what that is? Honus Wagner was an early baseball player that um, hated tobacco, uh, and, to and baseball cards came in tobacco. Uh, packages and so his rookie card he's also a great player is one of the rarest rarest baseball cards out there in the world there's only like a dozen of them or something like that and he shows you his new tom brady signed football helmet from last year's super bowl right i mean that one he wore during the game uh new and old brought together he's saying this master of the house has a, a treasure more valuable than that he brings out the full package of god's teaching I think about the wisdom we learn about in the Old Testament. I've been reading Proverbs with my family lately. God's wisdom. How to, how to live this life. How to not turn to the, off to the right or to the left. Uh, yeah, I, was, I was noticing that, that uh, Financial Peace University grabs a lot of its principles from the book of Proverbs. <laughs> a lot of it comes right out of what God has been saying for years and years and years. And then we look at the New Testament and its teaching about grace and forgiveness. Uh, many of you guys hopefully saw this week um, the brother of the man who was killed by a police officer, um, a female police officer, accidentally or negligently in his own apartment. And the brother gets up into the, to give his testimony, and what does he say? I forgive you. I love you. I don't even want you to go to jail. And then even more, if you haven't seen this yet, it's, it's heart-wrenching. He says, he asked the judge if I can get down and give her a hug. And the judge is at first like, ah, I don't know. And he said, please. And he gets down and he embraces the woman who killed his brother whom he loves. Where, where does that come from? It was shared all over the internet. You know why? Because the world is saying, I don't really have a category for this. 
I don't know where this is coming from. This isn't a natural, normal thing. We bring out treasure both new and old. The gospel has the power to conceal and to reveal. Jesus' parables make up the bulk of his teaching to the masses. Why? It brings out the very heart of his ministry. To those who are spiritually blind, it conceals it. To those who have spiritual eyes to see, it reveals it. Some, some see the gospel as a treasure. <laughs> a treasure more valuable than anything in this world. And there are others who don't yet have the eyes to see it. But friends, it's our job. It's our job to get this gospel out there. To share this message so that people could hear it. Some will be hardened for the time being. And others will have the eyes to see. Pray with me. Well, our gracious God, we thank you so much for the power of your word. We pray, Father, that as we continue to study these parables and also as we think about how the message is to go forth, we'd be ready. We'd be ready for the fact that some don't yet have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand. And that's part of your plan for the time being. Help us to not be discouraged, not lose heart, but to continue to share the good news. But we thank you so much, Lord, that your spirit is at work working a miracle of transformation so that there are many who, have, who are many who are given the gift to have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. And we would pray, Father, that through the ministry of this church family, as we seek to share the good news with the multiple relationships you've given us already, friends and family and neighbors and coworkers, and also, Lord, through our support of missionaries around the world, that you would give many people, bring many people to yourself that they might see Jesus for the first time. We pray in Christ's name, our Lord. Amen.